the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, December 8, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. 602-508-0960 is the number. If you'd like to call in, weigh in on anything that is upon your mind, David Dahl is my producer. Thank you, David, for being uh, in your uh, in your chair and up to your duties. And uh, we have young Terry with us as well. As you often hear me say, one of the great paradoxes, riddles, if not sadnesses and descriptors of our time is this. At a time, at this time, when we have more wealth than any other people or country in the history of the world, even our lower middle class today lives better than the Sun King ever did. When we have more access to information than any other people or country in the history of the world. Any decent college has more volumes of books than the famed Library of Alexandria, and we can access any study or book that's ever been published in any language with technology we carry in our hands, after all. And if we have more access to transportation than any other people or country in the history of the world, with scientific advancement and knowledge and technology that would be unimaginable to Albert Einstein and Jonas Salk alike, why are we where we are? You want to almost say, and yet. And yet we have record high depression rates, record high suicide rates, record high addiction rates, record high drug death rates. We have declining life expectancy. We have declining church and synagogue attendance, declining marriage rates, not just worse mortality, but lower morality. And we have declining educational outcomes. I was thinking about that last one as two stories were attended to today. First, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal a piece by Congresswoman Elise Stefanik where she wrote of where Harvard has made an issue of banning something called cis-heterosexism. That, too, would be a phrase unknown to Einstein and Salk. At ASU, they have courses on transness and its centrality to queer and feminist science taught by a professor who wrote a book on how to have sex with a kraken. I don't know if there's a chapter on cis-heterosex with the Kraken or not. As Dennis Prager put it to the Arizona legislature when we testified there earlier this year, one wonders if schools like ASU teach anything other than sex. In any event, this is what higher education concerns itself with, and then we sit and wonder why we are all becoming so much dumber. Aside from the Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania presidents embarrassing themselves as they publicly embarrassed common morality and decency this week, contextualizing and saying they should contextualize certain calls to genocide, as they did before a U.S. Committee of the House of Representatives, there was some other education news this week that didn't receive enough attention. Per Axios, on an international comparison with our OECD partner countries, U.S. high school students declined 13 points in their math scores. It was actually our lowest score in the history of the test. 
we dropped one point in reading literacy. As Axios reminded, this is not an isolated finding, nor should it shock. Multiple studies have highlighted the adverse and stark impact of the pandemic on education. One study released earlier this year found that elementary and middle schoolers in the U.S. need months of extra schooling to close pandemic-induced gaps. Reading and math scores for elementary school and middle school students have plunged in the wake of the pandemic, and data released earlier this year as part of the nation's report card found that U.S. history scores among middle schoolers also plummeted last year to their lowest level ever recorded since the assessment began in 1994. As Eric Hanischek at Stanford has researched and reported, we did a wonderful job with those school closures during COVID, didn't we? Total lifetime earnings lost by the students could amount to nearly $30 trillion over the course of their lifetimes, and that's just taking into account math deficits, never mind science, never mind literacy and reading, or other areas of study. $30 trillion. School closures to protect a population that was never really affected much by COVID in the first place. Since COVID began here in early 2020, fewer than 1,700 children died with or from it. That's in four years. If we looked at drowning over the same period, 135% more children died from drowning. And if we looked at drug overdose deaths, it would be another 135% greater death toll than from COVID. But did we or do we close pools and oceans? Well, for COVID, yes, we actually did, but not for the greater threats like drowning deaths. You see, we are a country that is mis- and deprioritized on our values and concerns. Oh, you say, wait, we closed the schools so that Johnny and Mary would not bring COVID home to their elderly grandparents that lived with them. Interesting talking point. And we bought that for a while, didn't we? Now quick. Name me one family you know where elementary and high school students have a grandparent living in the house. It happens, just not with 90% or more of the student population. So, as Sam Stone and I were asking in our discussion in the third hour yesterday, can we not leave the children alone? I mean, must we recruit them to our causes at all costs, including their childhood and education, never mind their mental and social development. We yank them out of their innocent and curious gardens of Eden by exposing them to all form of age and appropriate adult material, except for math and reading, and we use them to soothe our social and psychological anxieties as we catastrophize them. And you know what? They're not doing well. Losing what they lost in learning may be the least of it. And the full receipts will not be in for some time, but 20 to 40% increases in teen and youth adult suicide emergency department hospital visits since COVID is a pretty good start of an indicator of not doing well. But math and literacy were the unimportant things, weren't they? The things every society has deemed important for our youth as youth for millennia. The education secretary Currently, the current education secretary says we need a revolution in math, his quote. We don't. We just need to teach it. And it's not as if we cannot or do not know how. We had record high math scores not so long ago, record high. And that was all before anybody, including each other, heard of Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. 
As for literacy, including history, we should start by knowing who we are. How are we doing there? That conveyance of teaching, whether by good teacher or parent, should inspire, if done rightly, an entire industry of curiosity and further thirst for learning in our children. I like how William Bennett once put it, giving a pretty good roadmap when he was Secretary of Education. He said, our students should know who said I am the state and who said I have a dream. They should know about the Donner Party and about slavery. They should know about Abigail Adams and why there was a Berlin Wall. They should know something about the Convention of 1787 and about the Conventions of Good Behavior. They should know what greatness looks like and how greatness crumbles, dies, and can sometimes rise again. They should recognize famous American names like Aaron Burr and John C. Calhoun and James Fenimore Cooper and Dorothea Dix and Stephen A. Douglas and Frederick Douglass and Jonathan Edwards and Ralph Waldo Emerson and Nathaniel Hawthorne. They should be familiar with the Battle Hymn of the Republic, the Declaration of Independence, the Preamble of the Constitution, John Kennedy's inaugural address, Lincoln's second inaugural address, and the Gettysburg Address. And they should not be strangers to certain words, words like, we hold these truths, or these are the times that try men's souls, or I have not yet begun to fight, or a house divided against itself cannot stand, or the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. These are the things they should know. These are the things that history can teach them. And you know what happens when you teach them that stuff as opposed to not teaching them, not supervising their teaching or accepting the stuff that comes out of the graduate schools of education and implants itself in our elementary schools of tomorrow? You know what happens when you teach them that stuff? You, as I say, create an entire new demand of interest and curiosity, a thirst for knowledge and securing that knowledge in a version of the Say's Law of Pedagogy. It isn't that hard, and there should be no excuse given the otherwise material advancement that defines us so well, but has, alas, left us so antecedently void. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Do I need to do that again for you? A little rudimentary word processing instruction for the young David. Did you understand what I was instructing you on, how to do this? I think so. All right. It would just help if I could read. All right. Here's a pro-life writing hack. Here it is. If you're just learning— It's a pro-life writing hack? Yeah. As opposed to a pro-choice writing hack? No, what did I I say? (laughs) A pro-life writing hack. No, I was thinking life hack. Here's a a good life hack. and I'm I'm making fun of— No, no, it's good. Yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, If you're typing, if you're typing— on a Word document and you don't know how to cite something or you want to cite something, an easy way to do it to save space and to save word verbiage is – so let's say you're writing a phrase, as Abraham Lincoln said in his 1858 debate at Jonesboro, dot, 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 ellipses, all you do is you highlight that portion of the text, go to insert, hyperlink, paste the hyperlink there and get out, save, good, you're good to go. And it's highlighted and anyone who wants to go there can jump to it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's how you do it. Young David is working on an op-ed, it sounds like to me. Yeah. All right, this Hunter Biden thing, I got to tell you, my gosh. Okay. First of all, well, here's Vox, which is a liberal outlet. They write, it's a, this nine- point indictment of Hunter Biden. It's a remarkable turnabout by 
Weiss when compared to June of this year when he had agreed to a plea deal with Hunter that would charge him in a far more limited fashion. That plea deal had resulted in much criticism that Hunter was getting let off too easy. Then the deal dramatically collapsed in court when questioning from a Delaware judge revealed prosecutors and defense attorneys didn't even agree on how much immunity the deal would provide Hunter. Um, The part, the quote that's going around from the indictment, from David Weiss's indictment, is... um, is this one, and it's it's a doozy. This is in the indictment. Um, Hunter Biden, while funding his extravagant lifestyle, spent money on drugs. I'm quoting directly. Listen to this, young David. Drugs, escorts, and girlfriends, luxury hotels and rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. That, that's pretty good. That's, yeah. That's really and, good. And yeah. This is coming from David Weiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and damning. Yeah. He spent money on drugs, escorts, and girlfriends, luxury hotels and rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal, personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. Now, Hunter Biden then himself, this um, man-child, goes uh, to a podcast, the musician Moby. Moby Pod is the name of the podcast for an interview. And he says this. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me. Knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. And so therefore destroying a presidency in that way. I realize this is not about me. And then the second thing that I realize these people are just sad, very, very sick people that have most likely faced traumas in their lives, that they've decided that they're going to turn into an evil, that they decide that they're going to inflict on the rest of the world. Is this, is this, is this a young man in recovery or not? We keep being told of his sad tales, and we don't need to be told, they're out there for all to see, of his sal- sad tales of his lifestyle of crime and uh, <laughs> depravity based on his various addictions. Understandable. Not the first time someone in the grips of addiction acts this way and does these things. Understandable. That's, that's what addiction does. Not excusable, but we've all seen that, either if not in real life, people we are acquainted with or know or are dear to even, and certainly enough in news stories. Yes, that is the life of addiction. We were told this man has put that all behind him and is to be saluted and heralded for his recovery. We have no evidence of that, and every time he opens his mouth, he sounds like he is still in the grips of it. Part and parcel of recovery is accepting responsibility and not blaming everyone else. That is part and parcel of addiction, actually, when everything wrong in your life is someone else's fault. That's like one of the lead indicators of an addict person in the grip of an addiction. person in sincere recovery is someone who not only shows remorse, is there any remorse here? Shows remorse, but seeks forgiveness, and certainly not and doesn't continue to blame or gaslight. 
with this amazing quote. What they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. Do you realize what he's saying here? Do you realize what he's saying here? He's trying to now exploit the death of his brother and the death of his mother, which have taken such a toll, understandably, reasonably, obviously the same kind of toll it would take on many of us, those deaths that have been told on Joe Biden. Of course, awful, awful, and he's weathered them. However he could and however he mustered the internal and internal fortitude to do so, he's weathered them. But now Hunter Biden is using those to say, this, me, you kill me, you keep doing this to me, you kill me in this effort to kill me, it's more than my father could be able to handle. This is a level of irresponsibility and gaslighting that is shocking to me. No remorse, no humility. By the way, I'm wondering if his lawyers even advised him to do this. Most lawyers would advise a client to shut the H up, especially after an indictment, and quit running your mouth. No good will come of it. Indeed, you will, however, see talking points, I promise you. They were done the last time, too. That this is a young man, or this is a gentleman who is trying to put his life back together. And you shouldn't make fun of his addiction. No one is making fun of his addiction. They're just not excusing his bad behavior during it, or what still may be an ongoing level of it. And again, as I've said before, say whatever you want about this man-child. He is 53 years old. We're not talking about an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 22-year-old. We're talking about a fully grown adult. A fully grown adult. And we're supposed to excuse and have him get to live by a rule and set of laws that no one else gets to live by, sober or non-sober? I'm sorry. The man is a rebuke. The man is a rebuke. And Joe Biden needs to get control of his family. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group, just like Seb Gorka and I do, as they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. Heard uh, over the... bottom of the hour news that the uh, UN Security Council, by a vote of uh, 14 to 1,
with Great Britain abstaining, voted that Israel should uh, engage in ceasefire. The Security Council consists of the great moral lights of China and the Russian Federation and Albania and Brazil and Ecuador and Gabon and Ghana and Malta and Mozambique and the United Arab Emirates. You know what I say to them? Cram it. That's what I say to them. This is a body this is a body whose United Nations entity for gender equality and the empowerment of women known as UN women could not and cannot denounce the violent rape that has taken place in Israel. They can cram it. They can all cram it. I was watching a segment on CNN the other day discussing uh, those interviews with the spokesman for the United Nations entity on women and how in discussing it with the international correspondent for CNN, they couldn't bring themselves to denounce the rape that took place, the violent rapes that took place in Israel. And they said, yes, but there was a... um, there was a um, a press gathering at the UN where Hillary Clinton spoke and denounced him and where uh, the senator, I'm blanking on her name, female senator from New York spoke and denounced them and an Israeli ambassador spoke and denounced them. And Jake Tapper pointed out, yes, it took place at the UN, but not because of the UN. It took place at the UN's Israel ambassador's offices. It was not done under the aegis, just under the property of the United Nation. It did not have United Nation countenance. It was done by the Israeli embassy and mission at the United Nation. Gillibrand, Christian Gillibrand. Sorry, that was the name. They can cram it. They can cram it. Um, Joe Biden, I was saying he needs to get in control of his family. He needs to get in control of himself. As uh, Victor Nava reports at the New York Post, for nearly a decade, Joe Biden used multiple email aliases to send hundreds of messages to his son Hunter's former business partner. House committee leading the impeachment inquiry into the president revealed this week the 11 page log of emails sent and received by Joe Biden between 2010 and 2019 was obs- was obtained by the House Ways and Means Committee through metadata provided by IRS whistleblowers Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. By the way, those whistleblowers were the ones who were saying David Weiss was giving a lenient hand previously to Hunter Biden. They've been vindicated yet again, have they not been? Of course they have with the latest indictment. Of course they have. If they were wrong, there would not be the need for this new nine-count indictment by David Weiss against Hunter Biden. During that nine-year period, 2010 to 2019, Joe Biden used pseudonyms such as Robin Ware 456, J.R.B. Ware, Robert L. Peters, to correspond with his son, other family members, White House officials, and Hunter's former business partner, Eric Schwerin. I have more to say about this. You're going to want to hear it. Liars and the lying lies they tell. Anyone going to write that book about Joe Biden? Be right back. Is that a young Wayne Newton? Wayne Newton? Who is that? Not even the right gender. Oh, dear God. What did I do? 
You ask and ye shall receive. Yeah, who is that? Kelly Clarkson. I didn't ask for Kelly Clarkson. A week or two ago. Never you once. Said she has some great Christmas music. No, I never would have. I know nothing of her music. No. No, you misheard me. But that's okay. What did we say? I, I don't know. One Kelly If you can find if you can find me on air or anywhere else saying Kelly Clarkson has great Christmas well, there's only music. Seven days worth of shows for me to go back and look at. Uh, yeah, go for it. I'll buy you a steak dinner. I promise you. Wow. You'll eat the steak. I won't, but oh. that's fine. What? Uh, I, you know my, you know me. Joe Biden denied knowing anything about Hunter Biden's business dealings again this week, saying it's a lie that he did. According to this finding, series of findings from House Oversight, Joe Biden fired off or was privy to 327 emails with Eric Schwein, the founding partner and managing director of Hunter's defunct Rosemont Seneca Partners business firm. Of those emails, 54 were exclusively between Joe Biden and Schwerin, who the committee charges with the architect of the family's various shell companies that launder money around the world. The committee also found that 38 emails were sent from the White House to a Joe Biden shadow account with Hunter copied on the messages. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Jason Smith of Missouri noted that several of the emails were exchanged during times when then-Vice President Biden traveled to Ukraine while Hunter sat on the board of Ukraine energy company Burisma. Vice President Biden appears to have treated Air Force Two like a corporate jet traveling to Ukraine and Mexico to advance Hunter Biden's business interests, Smith said in a statement. Evidence from these documents show right around the time of international trips like those to Ukraine, Joe Biden was emailing his son and his son's business partner from private email accounts using aliases while vice president. Before a June 2014 visit to Ukraine, Joe Biden and Schwerin had only exchanged five emails, the committee found. But after the trip, Joe Biden and Schwerin emailed 27 times. Joe Biden, of course, bragged to the Council on Foreign Relations in 2018 that during a December 2015 trip to Kiev, he threatened to withhold $1 billion in foreign aid for Ukraine if then-Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin wasn't fired. An FBI whistleblower has alleged that Joe Biden pushed for Shokin's ouster because Shokin was investigating Burisma. The president claims he demanded Shokin's removal because the prosecutor was corrupt. I looked at them and I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, SOB, he got fired. Joe Biden bragged in 2018. While the trove of data does not include the contents of the emails, the committee says it corroborates previous testimony from the IRS whistleblowers indicating that Hunter and Schwerin had an incredible level of access to Joe Biden while they worked out foreign business deals during the elder Biden's time in public office. The House Ways and Means Committee disclosure comes after the National Archives and Records Administration acknowledged earlier this year that it is in possession of up to 82,000 pages worth of of emails, electronic records, and documents that potentially show Joe Biden using a pseudonym during his vice presidency, including emails pertaining to the accounts of Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware. I heard a Democratic—what's her name? Uh, the brunette liberal on Fox News. I can't think of her name. You guys know who I mean. Um, Jessica Tarlov. She was defending the use of pseudonyms. She goes, a lot of public figures use pseudonyms on emails. Do they? Do they? I know a lot of them have been embarrassed by the discovery that they have, like Mitt Romney with whatever that weird one was he had, and certainly uh, Huma Abedin's ex-husband, Congressman Weiner, 
usually when it's discovered that pseudonyms pseudonymous pseudonymous emails have been used it's usually because you're trying to conceal something and cover something up i don't think it's usually done in much course of business i've dealt with a lot of public figures elected unelected appointed and otherwise i don't think i've known of any of them to use pseudonyms I just can't think of it. I certainly don't, and not that I'm anyone, but I I don't, and I I don't think that's a valid excuse. I think it's odd. I think it's weird, and I think people, when they find uh, when 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 the public finds out about them, are ashamed of it, like Mitt Romney was. He can't help himself from lying. I mean, I, I'm often reminded of, you know, <laughs> when he lies about things large and small, I'm just often reminded of what um, Christopher Hitchens said about the Clintons being um, congenital liars. And he said, you know, they lie even when the truth would do just fine. Here's Joe Biden today in um, in Las Vegas today. Amtrak, I became one of the senior guys in Amtrak. I became friends with all of them after all the years. And uh, I've ridden 36 years as a senator, and he comes up to me. His name is Angelo, and he comes up and he says, Joey, baby! Grabs my cheek and says, I thought they are going to shoot him. And uh, I said, Angelo, what's the matter? He said, we just said, I just read in the newspaper. Because they keep meticulous mileage, how many times you use, how many miles you use an uh, aircraft in for the United States Air Force as vice president. I just read in the paper, Joe, you traveled 1,000, excuse me, 1,200,000 miles in Air Force. He said, big, I won't quote him exactly. He said, big deal, Joey. He said, we just had a retirement dinner in Newark, New Jersey. He said, just had a retirement dinner. You know how many miles you've ridden? I said, no, Angie. He said, 1,327,000 miles. I don't hear any more about the Air Force. So he tells that story about what transpired when he was vice president with Amtrak. The story has been debunked and debunked and debunked again. That conductor, for whom they kept meticulous records, died in 1993, Bill Clinton's first term as president, several presidencies ago, several presidencies before Joe Biden was vice president. Now, one may say this is a small thing, but it's weird how he keeps telling the story that has been so often debunked and proven to be just not true. It's odd. And the way he tells it with such force of seriousness and uh, veracity, as if he believes it, one wonders why when everyone has rated this story untrue, has found this story to be why he continues doing it and why he goes at such lengths to do it when the truth would be just fine. We don't even need the story. It doesn't move any ball in any direction, forward or backward or sideways. It's a completely unnecessary story that he just defaults to in front of any organization he thinks is interested in his travels on Amtrak. I want to commend to you David Harsani's piece this week in The Federalist. Maybe I'll get to it in the next segment. A short history of Joe's long record of lying. Be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a wonderfully flexible investment. Flexible for you, that is. There are absolutely no fees 
You get a monthly statement with no surprises. You can turn your income on or off or compound it, whatever you like. And there's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back in this secure and collateralized investment in a portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return, not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. And why Refi is based here locally. They invite you to visit them. Their offices are on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. I've been there any number of times. You are promised you won't get a sales pitch and you won't be asked to sign a thing. Or you can check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI24. I don't think I can get through the whole thing, but I do want to um, commend to you David Harsanyi's piece in The Federalist this week titled A Short History of Joe's Long Record of Lying About Biden, Inc. Young David, you were noticing he was telling some other whoppers at the Las Vegas uh, speech he gave today, not just about Amtrak, confusing Amtrak 1993 and the office he was holding in 2010. Uh, During a 2020 campaign event, then-President hopeful Joe Biden was asked by an Iowa man if the former son, son Hunter Biden, had ever had access to the Obama administration. The future president, who had vowed to bring decorum and decency back to the White House, called the man a damn liar and fat and told him he was too old before insulting his IQ. This act of projection from Biden should have been a warning. It was modus operandi for Joe, whose preternatural dishonesty was impressive even for a politician to question the mental fitness of those who caught him in a lie. Biden had done much the same to a reporter during his 1987 failed presidential run. This is very much like and akin to what you saw Hunter Biden saying today about his indictment when he said what they're trying to do is kill me, knowing that it'll be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle and that it's not about me. It's about these very sad, very, very sick people that have most likely faced their own human traumas and decided to inflict great harm to the rest of the world. Same exact MO. His dad calling you a liar and Hunter Biden gaslighting you to say they're trying to kill him and the people trying to do it are doing very, very bad things. Constantly the victim, constantly the innocent bystander, constantly the target of the evil. Does that sound to you like someone who's in recovery? Does that sound to you like someone who isn't hiding something? Does that sound to you like someone who's telling the truth? I'm Seth Liebson, Rabbi Pinchas Salush, coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.